Hey friends, and welcome to another episode of Fresh Aesthetic, the show where we embark on the search for truth and meaning through creativity, art, and pop culture. I'm your host, Stephen Garten, and today's episode is a four-way film club special with friends of the show, Nick and Chelsea Cullen. Man, it's been a minute since we last released an episode, but you're in for a real treat with this one. We start off the episode talking about Amazon's new Lord of the Rings show, Rings of Power, and then quickly move into a hearty discussion about suffering, joy, and being present. It's basically just four people having a great time together and discussing some of the deeper parts of life. It was also fun seeing difference of opinion coming through in the conversation and being able to hold space for diversity of thought. I'm so glad you're here today. If you enjoy this episode, please consider sharing it with a friend and leaving a rating on Spotify or a review on Apple Podcasts. But enough of me talking and on to the episode. Let's hit it. Welcome to Film Club Special, a one-of-a-kind four-way podcast, and we've got Matt's with us. Hello. And we've got Chelsea. Hi. And Nick. Um, Just watched Lord of the Rings, the first episode of, what's it called? Rings of Power. Yep. Um, debut episode and I thought it was surprisingly good I set my expectations really low but um, was pleasantly surprised at the I mean you you knew it was going to be good quality to look at visually speaking but I mean story-wise obviously it's based on some very good books Mm. but um, I was I was engaged I was enjoying getting to know Mm. know the characters and uh just watching the story start to unfold and hopefully they don't butcher the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> what did you guys think of the episode? Well, I was very pleasantly surprised because I actually said to Nick, once I heard that what we were watching, I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to go. <laughs> so I had extremely low expectations and they were pretty blown out of the water considering I didn't even want to come. I was surprised <laughs> when I saw that you were coming. I was like, oh, Chelsea's a Lord of the Rings fan. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, she had no idea <laughs> to begin with. I was just like, hey, we're gonna have a, going to have a film club on Friday. And she's like, oh, can I come? What are we going to watch? What are we going to watch? And I was like, Lord of the Rings. She's like, oh. <laughs> I don't know whether to? I want to come now. <laughs> did you know it was the new one or did you think yeah, it was? Yeah, I saw an ad come up on my phone and I was like, oh. To be fair, the ads did no justice. No. Mm. I was like, these are looking very generic and um yeah, it was a good episode. Yeah, I think I was just scarred from The Hobbit, to be honest. Because it was so bad? Yeah. Mm. I didn't mind The Hobbit. It wasn't like the best as far as, because I think it was being compared to Lord of the Rings mm. and like all the people who love Lord of the Rings were expecting the same, but they sort of child it, childized it a little bit, you know? And they drew it out so long as well. It's like three, mm. like a trilogy for one tiny book. That's just too much fluff for me. Yeah. I get to the mm. point. I'll tell you how I knew this one was good. Because uh, it, fir- well, the first thing was, oh, I, we are going to have to give spoilers away if we're talking about this. <laughs> so <laughs> the first thing was when they talk about the boat in the water at the beginning. And I was just like, oh, this is deep. <laughs> I was like, this is, this is how I, like it spoke straight to me because I was like, this is depression. Like really floating on the water and the the rock sinks, yeah. But the the boat floats, and I just, I just so related to it. And then he whispers in her ear and tells her something, 
And I'm like, what the heck did he say? <laughs> I'm just like, okay, it's got my attention. I'm in. I'm, I want to watch this. So you got d- very deep and meaningful. Oh, within the opening scene. I was thinking the same yeah. thing. Really? When, when that opening scene yeah. happened, I was like, this is this is incredibly deep. I was just mm. like, wow, elves don't know physics. Shutting's <laughs> 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 playing by the boat's floating. <laughs> well, mass and water. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, Before so maths was invented, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was thinking at one point when um, when they're up in the mountains and Galadriel was uh, wanting to carry on and everyone else wanted to go home, and they were wanting to like check with the king and make sure it was all good. I was like, oh yeah, they didn't have cell phones. <laughs> yeah. Can't oh, just yeah. ring up and check. You have, know? have you seen those? Um, I think it's even a YouTube channel where they take movies and they basically play through what would happen if they had cell phones. Oh, um, no, I haven't nah. seen that. Yeah, there's a, I'm pretty sure there's a whole channel built around what would happen if they just had phones. That and it, sounds incredible. It's very, very funny. <laughs> I saw that like years ago when Lord of the Rings came out, they were like, what happens if they just took the bird? Because, you know, the oh, bird's yeah. just yeah, a carrier. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. What if they just took the bird to the mountain and threw it? <laughs> it's like, oh, it's like a five-minute movie. Like <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, cell phones definitely changes it up too, eh? Yeah. What did you think of it, Nick? Yeah, pleasantly surprised, pleasantly riveted. Yeah, I came into this not really having high expectations because I saw the ads. I was just like, ah, what is this even going to be? But I feel like just the lore that was going on, it was like, oh, yes, I'm looking forward to to more of this. I need more Mm -hmm. of this. Yeah, it seems like they're building a real foundation of the kind of conflicts between the different races and the history that's mm. there and the kind of, I guess, not, I'm just going to say like racial tension, but species tension that's there. Oh, yeah. make it bloody political. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it did come off very political, didn't it? Mm. They've got like Galadriel, who is basically going against the king and their customs. Yeah. And then they've got that younger, like this is, there are some spoilers in here, right? They've got that younger hobbit type girl. Who's Chelsea. (laughs) (laughs) Who she's kind of pushing the boundaries of what's normal for their culture as well. And then they're just, there's a lot of that as an undertone. And that's the cool thing with TV series. Like they've got eight episodes and every episode's over an hour long. Um, So you've got, eight hours to to tell the story mm. whereas yeah. you just can't do that in the movies i mean mm. peter jackson tried and squeezed every <laughs> second he could what was it three and a half hours in the director's cuts oh my goodness. um so that times three movies i guess it, it does work out similar but yeah tv series i like tv series for that matter they can actually mm. Um, mm. build on the story and tell more of it dive into the characters and yeah. i just i don't want it to get too woke <laughs> yeah I'm that's the like, thing uh, that i'm most worried about are they gonna say like, oh like, we don't eat meat anymore sorry Chelsea. <laughs> um, well know, like, we're not <laughs> drinking milk after what we saw <laughs> but like in like i just think it doesn't date well you know when wokeness. you get things not just wokeness but when when you when the um something like this has an agenda behind it mm. You feel it and you're like, I'm just trying to escape it all. I'm just trying to get out of the, you know, America's sort of split bipartisan system. I want out of that. I just want to just see, 
another world, you know, and be divorced completely from having to think about ideologies and, and, and you know, all that kind of stuff. Another world with white lead characters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was like, how's Stephen, how's Stephen's reaction to this movie? <laughs> yeah, I just, I get there's always stuff and you can always read stuff into it, but you should be allowed to, you should be allowed to read stuff into it and pick it up and go, oh, I can see what they're saying with, you know, race. I can see what they're saying with these things. But you should also be allowed to disregard that and somebody else sees something completely different. And I think that's what good art does. Yeah. Yeah. It allows people to engage it where they're at. And it really did that, I think. Mm. Yeah, Yeah. it it felt like it was an addition to a storyline rather than the story as the excuse to carry a kind of a woke message or any kind of message. Like I, whether it's Mm. woke, whether it's, one thing or another, if you if that message is the main reason for the art and then the art is just in some ways just marketing for that thing. I don't mm-hmm. think that that's why we watch movies because we want to be lost in a story. Yeah. Well, why? I mean, talking about The Hobbit, like what do you think it is about it that you reacted to so strongly? I know a lot of people didn't like The Hobbit um, and potentially that's because of what we're talking about. It was there for the sake of being there maybe. It felt like that. Um, mm. to Cash to, cow. Yeah, cash exactly. Cow to make money. exactly. But I mean, you know... <laughs> Peter Jackson, he did so well with The Lord of the Rings and those were critically acclaimed movies. But what was it about The Hobbit? And I mean, surely he was still doing it for the love of it. Surely he was still doing it for the art. But what was it about it that made it so repulsive to so many people? I think if they'd have done it in one movie and cut the fluff, like personally, I don't want to watch three movies that long with a storyline that's that limited. Lord of the Rings is three books, as is. Like, it covers a lot of ground and they had to cut a lot out. Whereas The Hobbits, it's a fairly simple storyline. So it just felt like they milked it for all it's worth Mm. and added all of these little subplots and things that didn't add to the story. So you're left feeling like, I just went to three movies over um, three years or however long it took to release them just so that they could make billions of dollars off people capitalising on something. Like, that just... It doesn't sit well, and it's, it was just too boring for me. Like, I don't like long movies as is. Yeah. It was too much. J.R. Tolkien and, um, I don't know, Narnia was another one, although that completely failed. That was very oh, sad. That was um, awful. Oh, I loved Narnia. Oh, Do you no. love the movies? I just, no. it took me back to childhood. Really? Because I watched the BBC ones. So oh, yes. That was where it was at, man. Nick yeah. is showing our kids that now, and I'm like, oh, what are you doing? Are, You're scouring another generation. This loving it so much. But yeah, anyway, these big like empires of these, because of the story that, it's, that started it all mm. um, with the Lord of the Rings, and you, you wonder if they're rolling in their grave, seeing all of the commercialization <laughs> that spins off of it. Like there's a, I don't know if you guys know, but there's a Gollum game coming out, um, I think what? in 2023. And it's based on you literally play as Gollum and you're like uh, rocking around and it's a stealth game and you try and hide from the orcs. But it actually sounds quite cool. It does sound <laughs> quite cool, but it, it looks terrible. Like the trailers actually look really bad. Um and it, it just feels like another pull at the sweater. Like, is there mm. any more money left in this yeah. thing? Let's just bleed this dry. Yeah. Which is also sad when you think that there's so many books that they haven't turned into movies that would be amazing or so many stories out there that would, like, that they could use. But, I, I mean, I guess it makes sense that you want to do something that's already tested. 
is the very definition of capitalizing on something that you know already works. But I think that's that's just sad to see where it's the same thing repeated and there's not that, I guess, taking that risk to try something new. Because of all the purists out there don't want to see their book butchered. <laughs> oh, yeah. How many people say the book was better than the movie? Oh, every single book reader. <laughs> <laughs> well, I reckon that it would almost bring more um, attention to the book and probably highlight how good the book was. Because mm. you, you never hear somebody going, oh, look, the the movie was uh, terrible, but the book was was even worse, you know. Yeah. Yeah. People always favour the book. The book never loses in Maybe that Maybe Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> yeah. Personally can't say on either front for that one. No, although but I did accidentally start reading it. Did you know this? Accidentally? Oh, so, it just fell open <laughs> on my lap. No, I, I The devil will, made me do it. <laughs> I would... Quite often when I was younger, just look at what were the New York Times bestselling novels because I wanted to listen to something or read something and I can't be bothered sifting through all of the stuff that's crap. So this one was trending, started reading it and I was like, what is this a joke? It actually seems like it's written by a 15 year old. Like it was, it was written so bad. And then I started looking up and I was like, oh, okay people are not reading this for the story. Like they're not reading it for how it's read, how it's written. And I was like, okay, stop that after about 11 pages of terrible grammar. Yeah. Oh, on, and on the topic of books, um, did, were you here Chelsea when we watched June? Yes. Yeah. yeah that's epic. So there's one that's actually based on a book and Nick, you'll be able to school, oh, yeah. us, school the, us on the, on the, the on the June books. But um, it was, obviously based on the books, but actually done exceptionally well. What do you think? It was absolutely awesome. When I went and watched it, the first day it came out in the cinemas in New Zealand, we went and watched it, and I had a grin on my face the whole way through. It it was everything I wanted and more, just visually, and the story was fluid. I mean, it's... They have a certain length of time that they gotta gotta fit a movie into. So of course there's certain things pulled out of it, but I feel like if you were just to look at it from a bare essentials side of things, it was so beautifully well done. And I was so impressed by it. Yeah, and that's a long time to have a grin on your face. It was oh, a long was, movie. Yeah, that was a he very was long frosting. <laughs> I, was, I was I was waiting for the next time just to watch it. I've probably seen it maybe five times now. Yeah, you watched it and on the each, plane as well. Oh, watching it on the plane with terrible headphones, <laughs> still biggest grin on my face. It was just awesome. <laughs> that's so good. What do you think of it, Matt? Um, yeah, I thought it was really captivating. Um, I love the. I, I'm not a fantasy person and I'm not a sci-fi person. Um, I want – and the reason why is because I think when I've seen it done, it, it has no grounding in reality. And so I'm just like, oh, this is just fictional nonsense that has no tie to real life. And I like when things grounded. But um, what was amazing about it is it just tied – like it, it, they'd done such a good job of making it real – by capturing the attitudes, the emotions, the the real life situations that you can translate into real life, um, 
you know, that I was like, whoa, this is, this is believable, mm. you know, and that, that is what made it so good. And the, the adventure and the same with the Lord of the Rings, it's the same theme, but in my opinion, Lord of the Rings does it on the next level is the battle between good and evil. Mm. Mm. Like I know a movie's good when I'm sitting on the couch and bad language is coming out of my mouth and I'm like, <laughs> kill the beat, beat, kill him, kill him. I'm just ready to fight, you know? And it's like, it's, it's, it's hit something in me. Mm. And Lord of the Rings gave that to me. June, I felt the same thing in June when that, um, when he was going to, crack the poison in his mouth yeah. and kill the bad guy. I'm like, freaking kill him. You know, like <laughs> that. Oh, so good. Yeah. What do you think, Chelsea? From, uh, do you like those sorts of movies, that sort yeah. of genre? Yeah, I, I do. I like sci-fi and it was good having Nick explain a lot of the things to me. <laughs> so I felt like I kind of had a cheat code where yeah. I was like, oh, that's this person. And Your they're own from, personal Siri. Yeah, pretty much. And he, yeah. I was asking him lots of questions and he told me quite a lot before we, we did it. So it was almost like I, I felt like I could understand some of the things that weren't explained, some of the deeper meanings behind like why the betrayal was so bad and – uh, like who the who Paul was and all of this kind of prophecy around him, and I felt like I got some of that without having to read the books. I think I probably mm. will read the books. Mm. Hope so. Yeah, I'm pretty keen as well. I haven't read the books, and I'm pretty keen to read them. Going back to what you said about good and evil, though, like I hear what you're saying, but I've been thinking about this a lot recently because we've started watching more anime with our kids or letting our kids watch. Uh, like we, what did we watch recently? Well, How's Moving G- Studio Ghibli. G- Ghibli. Yeah. So we watched How's Moving Castle with them. Um, like my neighbor Totoro. And what I like about anime is that there isn't as much dis- of a distinction between the good and evil. It's like the, the bad guys can, they're kind of misunderstood most of the time and they can kind of become good. And then the good guys have a lot of flaws. And so I kind of like that our kids are seeing that humanity is not so black and white. So I think there's, I think there's a bit of a mix there in terms of movies. Like I, I'm appreciating that, that they're seeing that. Cause I know a lot of people who see the world very black and white and people they don't agree with, they label them as evil because their outworking of, of what they do is different to what, these other people would do. And I, I, I obviously don't agree with that. I don't think it's super healthy. I think that's, in terms of humanity, I think that's spot on, eh? And I think it's good for kids to learn that. We um, get these um, characters that are so much more three-dimensional mm-hmm. rather than these just caricatures of like, yeah, he's evil and nothing good can ever be done from him anymore, so throw him away, you it's know. It's a Disney villain. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. just, it, it's very uh, primitive. It does yeah, because I I grew up on those stories, and yeah, I definitely have more appreciation for uh, nuance these days and character development mm-hmm. and going, and also being just throwing a complete um, uh, curveball of a movie like everywhere, every, everywhere, <laughs> everything, everywhere, all at once. Yeah, I was just thinking that one just comes out of nowhere and throws you this story that's. It's so left field that you just are like, I'm 
really enjoying this. Um, The technical execution is on point, but it's like, even if it's not, because I don't know if you guys have this, but even if you're watching a story or playing a game or reading a book and it's like, it's not the most technically beautiful thing you've ever seen, but the story's good. You'll forgive anything because mm-hmm. it's like story always comes first and the mm-hmm. game gameplay always comes first. So it doesn't have to be the most um, beautiful 4K ray tracing game. If it's got good gameplay, it's it's mm. better, arguably. Yeah. And then you have so many movies where it is it is beautiful. Like I would say The Hobbit fits that category, but the storyline's not there and it's it's a train wreck. Well, for people that don't like The Hobbit. But like the book, the book though was like a page turner. Yeah. I loved yeah. The Hobbit book. Yeah. It's a good book. Yeah. yeah. I read it like three times. It was just wow. start to finish. It was adventure the whole way. And, um, and they captured a tiny bit of that in the films. Like there was a little bit of that essence there, but I don't know that just that feeling of like all the uh, dwarves gathering in Bilbo's house and he's so pissed (laughs) off at them. And he's like, stop screwing up my order. You're like (laughs) using up all my plates and you're uh, drinking all my beer and um, messing everything up and eating all my food. Do you relate to this, Stephen? I'm surprised it took you this long to pick up. (laughs) so yeah, and then he's just thrust into this adventure, whether he likes it or not. But he no, he did choose it. He did choose mm-hmm. it. But yeah, that was completely lost in the movies. Oh, there there was some good points. Like the the um, I know we've talked about this before, but there's there, there's snippets of the movie that I'm like, this is really good, and then it's just like you said, it's like drawn out, and there's all these in between bits that I'm like, oh, you know. And uh, one of the bits that's really good is when they go into the forest. And he's like careful of the air in the forest. Like it, the air is, it will make you confused mm-hmm. and lost. And so the longer mm-hmm. in the for- forest, I remember uh, you talking, Stephen, likening it to like life. It's like you forget the bigger picture and you get just locked into this tiny little bubble. Mm-hmm. And you know mm-hmm. that there's a bigger picture, but life just keeps sucking you into this tiny orb. And that's the bad. I was like, what a great analogy. And there's things throughout the movie in The Hobbit that do that. But generally speaking, it, it's just like, I, want, I I don't know the full story, but I just wonder if the film company was like, Peter, we, we want you to do this, but our, our demand is that you, you make three movies so we can make money. I wonder if there was something like that going on because I don't think... I can't see why they would want to make it three movies, but um, but yeah, it was good. It it was, um, yeah, it was different. It was. Uh, I didn't. I didn't feel scared in it. Mm, yeah. Um, I didn't feel like alive in it either. I just observed it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, they didn't really. They didn't really place a lot of tension points. Like there was a lot of action, especially in the later one, which I'm pretty sure I fell asleep in. There was some big battle scene that just went on for the entire movie. The Battle of the Five Armies. Yeah, that one. Snore. <laughs> yeah, that, which... Just yeah. cliche battle scenes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they didn't have any of the of the the tension and the, that those moments where you were like, ah, oh, for the characters that they do in mm. Lord of the Rings. Like you think about that 
last scene where they're right at the gates of Mordor and Aragorn, Aragorn is right out the front and mm-hmm. he's he, like, he's giving his speech to yeah. everyone there and then they charge and it's just, you just have all the feels and all the battles in the Lord of the Rings movies are like that. All those battles, you have this sense of kind of like pride in it and just the sense of buy-in and ownership you put yourself kind of in that hero story, but that didn't happen in The Hobbit. But I do, I'm starting to feel like, okay, we're doing that with this series, with this new Lord of the Rings series. Like I can see kind of a taste of having that buy-in because they're creating it with the characters. Did you like, okay, uh, Galadriel, um, Galadriel, as he says, um, it's funny. It's, it's funny when somebody speaks perfect English and then puts a weird accent for, <laughs> just for the name. You're like, bro, it's, it's Gladriel, mate, you know? <laughs> um, but like, okay, ha- what did you guys, I just so related. So they get to the evil place, right? That at the beginning and they're like, they discover, or she thinks like evil is still here. She goes back. They make some political moves to, to pacify her and she's on the brink of freaking you know just euphoria leaving the world leaving everything behind and she's like you bastard i'm gonna come back and get it and you're just like yes go leave your euphoria and fight you know and it's like um i don't know about you but it's just this part that there was so much buy-in for the character mm. at that point, and I'm only on the first freaking season, like episode, and I'm already riveted by this character who is willing to give up um, what everybody's seeking to to go her own route, and just you know she's doing the right thing, mm. even though she's making an incredible sacrifice by doing it but i don't did you guys have maybe not even for that moment but did, like the buy-in for the characters it's like it was already there on episode one mm. but am i the only one <laughs> <laughs> no I was, fe- I was feeling it i was feeling it mm. um i'm just i'm still like thinking about because when did lord of the rings come out when did fellowship of the rings oh my goodness 2002 one something yeah, like that yeah I think. so it's basically 20 years old oh my gosh <laughs> and the fact that they didn't do the entire thing cg is so contrasted obviously to the hobbit which we've been talking about mm. mm-hmm. and it's just something about it feels more real mm. and they have these sets and things that are that are actually just a lot more real mm. and and i'm i just can't stop thinking about it because it's like these really dated effects somehow captured what it means to be alive and to be human and compared to what I would almost feel like are these they're very slick but they're they're just so lifeless you know mm. that's like the life and joy has been sucked out of them but they're the most technically accurate things mm. and um and I just think of music and I think of all these things in life that have flaws in them or they they have more living breathing elements and it's part of that that we, we relate to because we're like it's okay to be human it's okay mm. to have things that don't look technically perfect mm. I mean all we're trying to do is make meaning right mm. <laughs> we're just, yeah. and 
that's 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 just why robots will never quite <laughs> yeah. get it. Mistakes are the mark of humanity. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they even had more real-looking people, or maybe not real, but I felt like they weren't Hollywood celebrity-looking people. The oh, humans. Right, right. When they go the to the humans. realm of men and they all look like heroin addicts, I'm like, <laughs> why do you all make them the, the mankind? It's like the elves look freaking great. The, the hobbits look cool. The hobbits, it's all like golden light as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. Like, like Bracken and just like they're, they're, they're living playing, their best life. Playing in the fields, right. eating br- blackberries. No, it was like humans are like Gas and grey skies <laughs> and dark clothes. Maybe just that's your miserable. wokeness right there. <laughs> oh my goodness! They're like binging seasons of Stranger Things. <laughs> they had a shot of like the coast with the elves, and I was like, I can see New Zealand in that. Really? Like just the fauna and just like they hadn't, um, they hadn't, uh, yeah, CG'd it. It was like, oh, I can see, like I can imagine being there and mm. seeing that. And I was like, yeah, so when you say I was like, I totally get that. Yeah. And that's why everyone wants to come here. It's kind of felt like, is this our post-COVID, please return to our country, <laughs> like tourism. Yeah, it's, it's almost like a kind of Air New Zealand's almost <laughs> jaded me for this because <laughs> yeah. you hop on their flights, you see their like safety brief. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I can just... I can I can smell like everybody's you know too many people around you. you feel yeah, like yeah. It's like oh I don't have enough leg room. When you sung this uh, whistled that little tune, but yeah, just I don't know it, it, the commercialization of things. Oh, it just spoils it. For and it me. will happen. Like it did happen for Lord of the Rings. Like uh, tourism shot up and it will happen again. Mm. Yeah. Well, the, this is, they're not filming the next seasons in New no. Zealand though, right? No. Stupid idiots. <laughs> yeah. But Do you know why? I, I don't know. Um, I think it's because of cost. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. Those flights to New Zealand. <laughs> flip. Get well, those, New Zealand wow. on the phone. They lived here. I was listening to an interview with an actor and I think she lived here for like 18 months to two years. Wow. So she's away from her family. She she said her kid was raised in New Zealand. She had oh a two-year-old. Well, I mean, that's not the worst thing that could happen. <laughs> nah. nah like, well, her kid was raised in New Zealand? Oh, oh my, my Oh, my I, goodness. Is she all right? Oh, those oh, hobbits? World. <laughs> um, but even in, like, shows like um, Matt and I have been watching Trying on Apple TV, and amazing show, but... You still can't help but look and go, look at all these Apple products. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one yeah, big giant yeah. advertisement for Apple, but it's an incredible show. So <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's just part and parcel of making a living and trying to stay alive, right? Because, mm-hmm. mm. I mean, you guys are in business. You can speak to this, what it's like to – you kind of – Chelsea, you kind of have to – market yourself right for your business you have to put yourself out there all the time you said you invested a lot into your own professional development like yeah it's almost as if correct me if i'm wrong but you're the product in a sense because you're and social media is like this as Mm -hmm. well like it's it's not free we're all products yeah and Um, i'm i'm okay with that i'm okay with the the fact that we get to have access to so many movies and TV shows at such a low cost because of advertising built into it. I'm totally fine with that. So I don't mind that there's money being made on that side. What I don't like is when people can't see beyond 
one movie or three movies and they they kind of disenfranchise their fan base and they will they they don't stay loyal to their customer base like i believe this is what happened in lord of the Ri- not lord of the rings in the hobbit where it was a cash grab to extend that out and then they lose the goodwill of people that have been along that ride for so many years that would have they would have kept buying into that that's what i don't like i don't like where it's we need to like we're going to kind of capitalize on that but not in a way that actually produces something amazing and meaningful because, Marvel. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and they've done that so much but at the same time like marvel has they've continually brought out really really good movies and they've kept adding good stories yes there's terrible ones Doctor Strange. Yeah, we're going to ignore that. that <laughs> exists. Have you guys seen the new Doctor Strange? Oh, no, I, I, I have. I stopped watching those movies like seven, eight years ago. Really? Oh, oh, in the TV series, just the Marvel stuff. Yeah, I'm not a fan. It's just like okay. it's so predictable. Mm. But I, I think they're good movies. But I just think they don't hit. They don't hit the chord that I'm looking for. But yeah, mm. I, I think that potentially it is a thing of like, oh, we, we found something that's selling mm. and people can smell that after a while. Yeah. Like, oh, wait a minute. You know, yeah, you're just you trying to- it too long. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you're not a huge Marvel fan. Favourite movie of all time. My favourite movie of mm. all time. It would be- Oh, you can't do this on the freaking spot, man. This needs like a week of like scholarly research um, off the top of my head. Um, I would go with either Forrest Gump, hmm. Dumb and Dumber. I'm, I'm probably leaning towards Dumb and Dumber, although it is hard to rewatch now, these years later. Um, and that's just because of the impact it had on my life. It was just the funniest uh, starter of its genre. What about you? I would have to say The Dark Knight, phenomenal movie. Yeah, watched it good. many times. I watched a narrative, um, like a 40 minute expose narrative on, <laughs> on The Dark Knight on YouTube. Standard nerd. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, yeah, I, 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 I agree. That's a great movie. What about you, Stephen? Um, I mean, you can check my letterbox for my top four, but um, I think from memory they are The Pianist. Mm, oh, so good. So good. Um, Life is Beautiful. Oh. Um, mm. uh, Brie Larson's one. Oh, I forget what it's called. Anyway. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I throw old ones in there as well. I just, just anything that tells a just great story. Just remind me, Life is Beautiful, what's that about? Um, they're actually both Holocaust movies. Yes. Yeah. 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 That is here. a heavy hitter. But it's, it's so, so it's good. Told, told from a different perspective, the, the boy and his dad and their relationship. And like, it's everything that the boy in striped pajamas wanted to be, but mm. just could never measure up to. Um, did you guys watch that one? I haven't seen it. I've, I've seen a bit of it. It was kind of, eh, give yeah. it a three. With the boy in striped pajamas was the one in the prison camp. Yeah. yeah. I think I, had, I that got me. Oh, okay. Yeah. Was that the one where, like, the commandant's son or child ends up... I think so. It's been a long time since I watched it. Dying in the camp? Mm. Most likely, yeah. I, 
it, when I watched it, I, I, I didn't, I didn't uh, think it was that great. But yeah, what about Schindler's List. Oh, this is embarrassing. Not seen it. I haven't seen it. I know it's trick of having one coloured thing in a black and white movie, so I know like stylistically there that they they kind of spawned a a category a category of cliche because you mm. can find that technique all over the place now and i'm pretty sure that schindler's list started it but mm. i have not watched it from start to finish that is a must yeah watch that is a classic yeah nick favorite movie oh my goodness <laughs> it's like asking you your favorite song eh? it's just it's such a it's horrible such question a, a horrible <laughs> impossible question i would off the top of my head i would say probably june Mm. I really enjoyed Ex Machina. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, really? I, <laughs> oh, yeah. I have seen that. Wait, were you here when we yes. did that for no, Film Club? No. no, but I have seen it with Nick before. Oh, have yeah. we seen that? So yeah, we've seen that. I know the one now. There's, yeah. a, yeah. there's a lot of nudity in it. Yeah, that's why it was so good. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's not human nudity, so it's all right. Yeah. Humanoid. <laughs> um, that is a scary movie. I liked... Blade Runner. Oh, yeah. Mm, right. So good. I think we both, both of them yeah. I really, really enjoyed. I kind of run into a blank wall then. I mean, ones like The Dark Knight and Inception, I would go and watch those again mm. just because they're just great, easy-watching cinema. Would you guys go back to – I didn't say this one, but it, I it, like undoubtedly this is my number one movie – um, it's a wonderful life. Is it the every Black time and white. a bell rings, an angel gets yes. its wings? Oh, I love that movie. It's just such a beautiful story. Nick doesn't mm. like it. Nick. <laughs> no, Why don't you like it? Have you seen I it, Stephen? No. Oh. It sounds awful. It's, it's good. good. It's good. It's good. It's about, it's about this, it's 1940s, I think. So it's the beginning of Hollywood. And it was about this guy who basically gets stuck in his hometown and he keeps trying to leave. Mm-hmm. And no matter what happens, something goes wrong. Like Can't catch a break. He just can't catch a break. Everybody mm-hmm. goes to war. He, he's not allowed to go to war because he's got a medical disability. Um, and he just lives his whole life in this town. And he just gets to the this mm-hmm. sort of midlife. And he just he, he tries to kill himself. And um, it's the story of God showing him what life would be like if he hadn't have lived. Mm. And so he gets to relive this alternate universe. And at the end of it, he realizes that even though he didn't necessarily get what he want uh, in leaving the town, he got so much more by the good that he done and created for other people. Mm. So redemptive and just, just such a beautiful movie because it just reminds me I don't need all this stuff. I just need to be a good person and help other people. And that's the key of life. Mm. You know what I mean? I think it leads to an interesting discussion about story and what people like in stories, because Mm. like just listening to you saying that I'm like, okay, well, are all our favorite movies, our favorite movies just because they reflect our worldview and are like basically just mirror images of what we believe or value mm. um and i'm curious to hear what you guys think is makes a good story and or what makes a movie good for you but um 
like when I think about what I tend to like is, I don't know, just something that takes you out of yourself. You start thinking about other people and the bigness of the world and Mm. something that's not cliched. It's Mm. not um, cheap and just, I don't know, fake or inauthentic. It's getting at the heart of life and asking questions that don't necessarily have certain answers. Like I love an ending that's ambiguous. Um, Mm. And I think I really fully realized that in La La Land when I was like, I actually really love that ending when everyone else was (laughs) tending to hate it. Yeah, but it's like, it's interesting, isn't it? That what, we, what we like in our tastes and art can often reflect how we see the world. Mm-hmm. So I'm just mm. curious what you guys think is makes a good story. Well, I was also going to say that I wanted to add probably favourite movies is The Hunger Games. Good movies. I, mm. Good I books. enjoy those three. I enjoyed the books as well. And that's probably one of the things, one of the series that would be like, I enjoy the movies just as much as I enjoyed the books. I look for stories of sacrifice. I think that's the thing that really pulls at my strings is just like that um, that wholehearted giving over of oneself for someone else. And, I mean, I, I immediately think of Saving Private Ryan just that final scene of have I done enough? Mm-hmm. Have I have I fulfilled my my life to justify your sacrifice? Mm. I was just thinking that it's so good. Um, yeah, I I love ambiguous endings. Like I love the the twists that can come in an ambiguous ending, like Ex Machina. I feel like that ends just so perfectly. And it's like you feel so sorry for the guy, but it's just like this just ended just just right. (laughs) Yeah. It's the it's a bittersweet reminder sort of like of or not a reminder, but bittersweet sort of like, oh, okay. Mm. Just makes you more aware of the possibilities and uh, nuances and what can happen and things like that. Yeah. I feel like just being a good person doesn't mean that life is going to give you a good, <laughs> a yeah. good uh, deck of cards, a set of cards. So the hero doesn't always win. Yeah, mm. and it's just interesting how we all kind of tend to balk at that anything where the hero doesn't win you're like how dare the protagonist die like (laughs) that's not allowed to happen Mm. yet when you think about it have you guys ever thought about you walking down the street and you're like i'm just an extra in somebody else's (laughs) hero's journey yeah (laughs) that makes me laugh i never had that never in my life so i have this weird kind of theory (laughs) and it's probably really not a good one (laughs) but i i feel like some people are main characters and i feel like some people are extras you're a calvinist (laughs) no this does not surprise me maybe maybe it's just (laughs) maybe it's just a vibe maybe it's just energy but nick and i have you're the main characters i have main character energy That's what I feel about myself. I'm I have just to the believe extra this about myself. Yeah. Dude, I, I, you know, when you said that, like, do you, you feel like you're an action to somebody else's movie? I was like, I've never had that. <laughs> I'm always <laughs> the freaking yeah, character. Yeah, yeah. Like, I've never ever thought about being an extra. <laughs> <laughs> 
because there's people that I will see or like Nick and I know and I'll be like, they're an extra. <laughs> it's not, <laughs> but then there's other people where I'm like, they're a main character. I hate to ask if you thought that about me when you met me. The ego is strong in this one, yeah. I think. Yeah. It's yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Typical three. <laughs> Have you got a list of uh, main characters and extras? Like up on no. your wall is just like all your friends listed and categorized. I haven't got actually thought about characters this. who uh, aren't evil but just have slight deformities in life and then they, they can, you know, work it out, the nuanced anime characters. I, I mean, I think I would tend to see people like that anyway. Like I would, I tend to see people as ultimately most people believe they're doing the right thing. The question of is everybody good mm-hmm. but uh that the default state is good or the default state is evil i think the default self state is selfishness really yes oh i think the default state is good interesting you're just an extra in her story <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you just got downgraded <laughs> i i don't know i think people's default state might be what we call good when that fulfill something in them but if people haven't been taught that or they've been taught the opposite then that will probably outwork in something that we would call bad i think yeah. people because like we I, I see people who believe things diametrically different to what i do and they believe that what they stand for is really really good hmm. yeah and then you get locked into the echo chamber of social media Mm. And you're just following people who believe the same things as you. Exactly. And so, and that's a, that's a little head nod to um, notes on a nervous planet. Yeah. Thanks for the recommendation. Lee good at, um, but yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Cause you, if you do think that, that you're the hero or whatever, and then your views are the right views mm. that mm. can lead to some pretty hectic uh, dictatorship style. Yeah. <laughs> Well, this, loves a good have you seen? Um, have you guys seen? I know you haven't seen it, Stephen. You need to watch it. Have you guys seen Silence? No. Oh, is that the one with Andrew Scorsese. Garfield? Yes, and yeah, I've Scorsese. wanted to see that. It is a profoundly deep movie, and for me, it was quite impactful in the middle of burnout because mm. it's about mm. this missionary, uh, which is what I did, who is just so zealous, and then finally realizes that his crusade was part ego mm. and um he has this point where uh i don't actually want to ruin it so i'm not going to but but what i will say is that the there's this part in it where he realizes that he thinks of himself as a type of jesus mm. and so he has this sort of savior syndrome that he keeps putting himself as the main character and the death of his ego is the freedom from that. Mm. And and one of the guys comes up to him and he's like looking at all the people around him, all the people he's ministering to. And he's like, do you think they think that they're Jesus? No, they just trying not to die because of persecution. They, they don't have the arrogance to think that they're Jesus. And yet you do. Mm. And I was like, man, this is such a wake up. It was a wake up call to me. Mm. And uh, I think it's great on just tackling that ego thing of we, we, the danger is to think that we are the, we are the holder of like all knowledge and yeah. understanding and 
goodness. It's not even about being right. It's just about we are the answer to yeah. other people's problems. Yeah. Isn't that colonialism 101? <laughs> it's human well, nature 101. Yeah. Yeah. Because you've read Mark Manson's book. I haven't, no. Oh, okay. No, it's it's really, really good. He has a a principle that he lives by and that he suggests if you want to stop giving an F, essentially, in your life and give them for the right kind of things, that one of the core kind of tenets that you can hold is that you are most likely wrong in a lot of ways. And when I think about my life, I'm like, there's so many beliefs that I had that have been proven wrong. And when you hold them less tightly, I think I think it's scary as a little bit, especially as someone who has a faith and like nothing has nothing is wavering that. But just understanding that my outlook on the world is so influenced by so many things that I can't see. And that if I can hold that lightly and humbly, then it gives me the opportunity to learn and to up, you know, up level in some ways. Like I can learn more, but when I constantly think that I'm right, it's like closing a box and then you can't put anything else in. Yeah. I just got a picture of like all these humans, if you imagine them with lights inside them and you're looking at earth from space and there's all these dots of lights and everyone's walking around with a light inside them and one's going no I'm the light no I'm the light and it's it's just obviously not that but we get sucked into thinking that we are yeah well it's scary it's the ego because going to uh book we've read um the power of now like one of the things he talks about that I was just I still get it is he talks about like the idea that we we need a certainty and an ideology. Oh, actually, I'm pulling from a bit of Richard Raw as well. But he talks about like the Catholics had the Pope, right, who was infallible. They needed something infallible. Mm-hmm. The Protestants have the Bible. Everybody needs something infallible that they can say without a doubt, beyond all truth, this is true. And the argument that Raw makes is like, what if it's not about being right? What if it's just about knowing God? Like, what if that's what faith is? Just mm-hmm. the embracing of God, but we've made it an ideological statement, and in the West especially, mm-hmm. whereas other people just um, – and of course, I'm not saying that, you know, there's no truth and all these things. I'm just mm-hmm. saying we've prioritized being right over knowing mm. the deeper truths of life. And, and we hold on so tightly because if, if one of these things is wrong, then our world falls apart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we need either the Pope to be right or the Bible to be right or something to be right instead of just going, okay, God, you know, here I am mm. and here is you. That's enough. You know, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like mm. the very definition definition of faith in the Bible is the hope of things unseen. Like that denotes some level of uncertainty because mm. there's things unseen. And that's where like I just keep coming back to it. It's again, it's like it's not about being right, it's about relationship. And that is the focus. Like that is what makes Christianity different from all these other religions out there, which are about getting it right, having the one source of truth, having the one and w- like we believe that we do, but that's through relationship and that's through grace where it's not dependent on us getting it right and ticking all the boxes. It's because he loves us 
that we are able to even in our flaws and our misunderstandings and our different beliefs we can still we can still be part of that because it's because it's dependent on someone outside of us yeah i like that's that's such like a you've beautiful arrived, thing you've arrived before you've started the journey you know yeah and and that's like that whole concept it's helpful but then we we make it we make it a right or wrong thing. Like, do you believe that you've arrived before you've started the journey? Yeah. It's like, no, no, you don't believe it. You accept it. That's what faith is. It's, it's acceptance of what is and being like, okay, I that's going to take impact in me. And we get so fussed on this ideology, like it needs to be X, Y, and Z instead of just okay, here I am, God. It's by grace. Mm. You know, and and Christianity can so turn into like a, a ladder of rules. But I'm not, I mean, with honing in Christianity, I think this is human nature mm. that we hone into this set of rules as to how to attain some sort of tranquility or peace. But it's already right in front of us. And that's what grace is, you know, the, the experience of those things. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, Like the the more you go forward in life the more you realize you're kind of going back to childhood in a sense mm. um i just think of the whole journey and then i i think of how i lost track of what it is to be alive by just feeling like i need to do mm. and i i lost myself in just doing to i don't know even what i was chasing the the some sort of feeling that the uh, finally one day I'll, I'll have done enough and I'll have the prize and I'll be at the place. Um, and you're sacrificing for this later thing that never comes. And it's like delayed happiness and the goalposts always shifting. Um, and then now I just find myself coming back to childhood beliefs of just didn't have to do anything. I just exist mm. <laughs> and that's enough. <laughs> mm. it's kind of silly how um simple it is but it, it puts all of our our uh thought process to, processes to shame how we think we can you know make these elaborate schemes to figure it all out and it's sometimes it can feel like it's right there in front of you the answer mm. i've got a question with that how do you reconcile being okay in the now and that kind of childlike simplicity and how you view life with also being someone who does love to achieve and wants to take off all these goals. And how do you reconcile those two things? Um, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I constantly get sucked back into it. Like it's, it's very rare that, that I can, I can feel like I'm, I'm present and I'm doing it. And I, and I thought I've had a feeling like even just now, like making sure is this recording, is this going to, you know, you know what I mean? But you're Mm -hmm. like, then I'm like, even if it's not, it's okay. Like we're Mm. here, Mm. like there's nothing else. Um, Mm. but I, I totally get what you're saying because I struggle with it every single day of my life, but I don't know. I don't know. And that's also okay. Yeah. That uncertainty of not, having okay i'm gonna go write a book now because i know exactly what it what it means to to feel like i want to achieve my goals but also to be okay with them mm-hmm. i mean like i'll give an example maybe and this this might help it might not but for 
like practicing an instrument for me. It used to be wanting to get the affirmation, you know, to, to be able to present a piece of music that people could clap at the end and then Yes, I'm okay for another week. Thirty seconds. I, yeah, thirty <laughs> seconds. Yeah, I was a bit generous with a week. You know, you can you can live off that. You're like this little goblin. Like, give me more affirmation, please. Give me compliments. Yeah, it's like you've got this bowl in front of you that keeps getting sucked dry, and you need it to be okay. Um, and I still like find myself going back to that every now and then. And there's other parts of me that I have to work on as well. It's not just the do more, do more, do more to be affirmed. It's also like the fear of conflict and the feeling like if I'm in conflict, then I'm going to disappear and I'm not going to be lovable. And I remember, I don't know if I've shared this on the pod before, but I, I remember somebody at uni said to me, um, Oh, you're nobody uh, dislikes you. You're the sort of person that everyone can like. <laughs> and it, it struck me because yeah. I was like, huh, like, is that what I've been trying to like achieve with all of this? Like people pleasing is to be the person that everybody likes, which is like the most bland, vanilla, just vanilla extra, extra, extra way of like wearing cool outfits. Although you're you just, do, you definitely oh, yeah, do. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Thanks. Um, but you know, you're yeah. just so boring and you just completely all your personality so is even just a compliment jelly. was like oh no I'm oh. not good enough you say I'm good enough but I'm not good enough yeah it was actually a girl but it doesn't matter this, it's completely irrelevant to, to any of the, what we're talking about anyway yeah so this person said that and I'm like oh my goodness have I really with all of this all of my Enneagram four wing fiveness or whatever it is, um, been trying to as some sort of trauma throughout school and childhood and all of that, been trying to please people so that I can be the person that everybody likes. <laughs> like, ugh, <laughs> <laughs> boring. <laughs> um, but I don't know. It's always stuck with me. Like yeah. this, this was years ago. Um, it's always stuck with me that what is it about? feeling like I can't be in conflict or I'm never going to be lovable again. Like what the heck, what's mm. that all about? Mm. You know, mm. I think like you're touching on, uh, which pertains to your question, Chelsea is that the motivation of why we do what we do. And I think that does change as you get older because you get off the treadmill well, you have, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> and you're an extra in Chelsea's movie. Yeah, no, no, Matt like- is not an extra in anyone's movie. So, <laughs> no, but I, honestly, like, I could get emotional talking about this because it's so so deep to me is that I feel like you guys will be able to react. I know you've had struggles in your story too, but, like, when you feel like your life is over, yeah, I don't know. I felt like everything in life that I wanted just came crashing down and not in a way that it was like, you're the hero, but in a way that's like, whether it was true or not, like you failed. You couldn't hold it together. You weren't strong enough. You weren't loyal enough. You weren't hardworking enough. You weren't, and just feeling like God I'd gone so far that God was like, I can't actually help you here. 
And so I think walking through that for me and how I've tried to process that is going, what if my the dream of my life was wrong? What if I'm viewing the world the wrong way? And coming out that and just being like the when you, I was talking to some guy the other day, a crazy story as well. Uh, I won't share his story because I don't have permission to share it, but his whole world came de- crashing down uh, with his marriage and other things, his health. And uh, he's left going like, why am I even here? Mm. And I think at that point when you have nothing, you, you have everything, but you feel like you have nothing. You look around and you see what you do have and you go, oh my goodness, I have so much and I am so blessed. And that brings a contentment to be alive. And then everything you do from that point is so satisfying because you're just alive in it. And so like my business, I'm not doing it because I'm trying to get anywhere. I'm doing it because I love the thrill of gambling you know, <laughs> I love the thrill love the game. I love the game and and it's like God's with me in the game and it's beautiful mm. and if I lost the business I'd be devastated but I'd also be okay right mm. because I'm centered in myself now I'm not trying to look outside of myself for purpose or meaning um and I've got things I'd love to do in this life but if I died I'd be very happy that I lived and that's mm. enough. If there was no heaven or hell, I wouldn't know because I'd be dead. But I'd be okay. Mm. I'd be okay if there's nothing because I lived, you know. And I think you can only come to that place when you feel like mentally, and it it, it, it can approach everybody differently, uh, like that you have nothing left to live for. And now I've realized I have so much to live for and it was always right in front of me and I couldn't see it. And so I think that contentment interplays and you can get distracted and pulled out of it again. It's like hitting rock bottom and there's the only way to go is up. Yeah. It's delivery from yourself, Mm. which is Job's great story in the Bible that you can't understand Job until you suffered. And you look back and you go, Job's life was about Job being delivered from himself. Mm. He was the guy that did everything right. He was the, the, the peak example for everyone. He was everything he's a type of us everything we want to be and successful and yet bad stuff happened to him and we go the three his three friends came and they offered three opinions and god said all of them were wrong this is happening because you did something wrong um this is happening because god's trying to test you and this is happening because god has ordained this suffering and and that's the three mentalities we all face deep suffering with. We're trying to go to one of those. And then the third friend comes along and goes, You're trying to you're trying to hold God to account. Like just accept what is. And so Job finally does. He meets God and God says, uh, he says of God, I've heard you, but now I've seen you. It's like he connects the dots and he's like, I'm just freaking alive. That's the gift. God is God and I'm here. There is no need to try and strive to do right. There's no need to work everything out. And the very thing that Job was given in that moment was freedom from the striving that he'd lived all his, the first half of his life doing. He gets to the end of it and he's like, I'm here now. And then God blesses him. 
not because necessarily God wasn't blessing him, but because it's like the fruit of living in the now is that blessing, if you know what I mean, in whatever way it looks. It might not be materialistically, but it's given materialistically for the contrast in the text. And I think that's all of our journeys in suffering. That's why suffering exists. Yeah, I, I feel like, I, I mean, I've definitely hit rock, rock bottom as well, but I wouldn't say that my experience has been the same in that kind of liberation that you talk about. I think mine's more been a kind of a quiet resignation, if that makes sense, that like anything good that happens is a gift, that it's not a right. I'm not, like I don't have a right to a perfect pain-free life. So anything over and above that, if that's kind of baseline, we talked about this the other day, then that's good. That's that's from God. Like that's a gift. But overall, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that I've I've gone the same path where I'm like, wow, like everything's amazing because I'm alive. It's more like this is what it is. I'll kind of tolerate it and I'll choose to see the good in it. But I wouldn't yeah, I don't think it's it's definitely not the same. You're not gonna rave about it. Yeah, but maybe that's just ungrateful. Maybe that's just ungratefulness. I don't know. Yeah, but I mean, uh, that that just rings of like, tell us something you're grateful for. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm. Like, yeah. it, it it shouldn't be a striving to find something. I don't know. Like, I, I hear what you're saying, and I'm I'm just like, I don't, I don't, I'm not in it every every day. And I'm always looking for reminders. And I all I think of when I think of um, movies and any kind of media or just day-to-day interactions is I'm just mostly looking for a reminder that this is kind of magical here mm-hmm. somehow. Because mm-hmm. you just forget, like you were talking yeah. about, Matt, with the, the cloud that comes in and fogs everything and there's a there's a a really good line from um, one of the narnia books about that um how you just you lose your way in the fog of day-to-day reality and then suddenly like sometimes in the day i'll just zone out staring at like the weirdest thing like a a flower petal or something Mm. and just get lost in how insane this all is Mm. Mm. that's like this this flower petal and it's like you know what I'm talking about. You yeah. just get sucked into like, oh my goodness, atoms and you you, yeah. you mm-hmm. get the idea. But just even um, the way colors work, yeah. Like how the heck does this <laughs> all just work? Like somehow. light reflecting off it back yeah. into your eyeballs and just your brain decoding the information. It's <laughs> like it's a lot going it's on, a lot all the time, um, mm. and we just forget because mm. it's. That's very yeah. true. Yeah. What do you reckon, Nick? What do I reckon? Well, I instantly think of the fact my mind goes back to a bathroom in an Airbnb in Nashville that we were at. And Chelsea was spending the days at with her team and I was at home, well, at the Airbnb with the kids. And just one day in particular, it was a hard, hard day. And I remember just being like, I'm just going to stick a movie on for the girls. I just went into the bathroom and I had just a complete breakdown. Like I was just going, what good am I? Why am I here? 
I can't do the simple things that I want to do. Like I can't just walk up and down stairs or walk around this this Airbnb is what I would like to do. And I was just in there having a real breakdown and I just went, what, what on earth can I be thankful for in this situation? And I, I mean, obviously I was in America, so that was instantly something that I could be like, okay, I'm, we're in Nashville, like for one, that's amazing. But to just bring it back to myself and go, what can I be grateful for about myself? And I go, well, I still got legs. They don't work properly, but I still got legs and I can still stand up. Like that's something that, mm. you know, a lot of people don't don't have the opportunity. Well, I have hands and, you know, they shake and have tremors, but I still got hands. I can still grab things. And, I mean, there's people without arms. And it's like just, I guess, looking at these little things that we take for granted so much. Like I can see, I can hear, I can taste, I can smell. It's like just these little things of life, which is just so beautiful mm. in a way. And it's I can I can experience all these things. I can see the, you know, like the beautiful flowers. I can hear the birds singing. I can I can experience all this, like just existing. It mm. is beautiful in its own way. Mm. Like, I, I don't it, think bro. anyone's ever going to get away from suffering. I think suffering is just part of the package. You're born into it. You know, you cry as soon as you're born. It's like... It's, <laughs> what are you it's, doing to me? Yes. <laughs> you've been stripped out of this comfort, this comfort... But I, th- I just, yeah, I'm just like, man, I hate it, but it's part of it. Mm. It's part of it, and obviously there are people who suffer more than other people, but I d- I, I'm past the point of being like, my heart is harder than your heart because, you know, what's hard is hard. Well, it's, it's appropriate, like, what's hard for a five-year-old yeah. Very different to a 50-year-old, you know. Yeah. And um, I heard, uh, again, Richard Draw say, there's two be- people who have an advantage to cracking the code of life, um, mystics and those who suffer. Hmm. And I just relate to it because suffering frees you to see what sometimes other people can't. The goodness. Mm. And is it, there's a... There's a um, I can't remember, is it some saint of old or whatever? And he said, uh, I think it was Thomas Kempis. And he says, um, <clears throat> don't envy the successful person because you don't know if their success is a punishment. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> that's deep. Almost this idea <laughs> that. Tell us this, man. <laughs> success. Well, success is the trap of, and it's, and it's not that there's something wrong with success. It's mm-hmm. saying that. Um, <laughs> no, it's saying that the, the success can become a trap. The greatest example mm. is is Jim Carrey in modern times who had the most successful career, reaches his 60s, 60s and starts to process, who even am I? Mm. And 
goes to this thing and then suddenly realizes like, I don't have to be that character anymore. Mm. I can just do what I, I can just be. Mm. And you can only get to that, like success keeps you from that. Mm-hmm. And the only way you can get to that is by losing and suffering. And I just think that it's, I think a success, a true success is being able to have both, to be in a position and not be ensnared by it. Mm. But I think having goals is great. I think go for it. I think God's made you like that. Um, and I think you should throw yourself into it. But I think the beauty is the dance between those goals and accepting that these goals are trivial things Hmm. that offer temporary pleasures that you can fully enjoy. You know, blessed is the man who is content with his lot in life. Oh, it took me till (laughs) I was 30 to get there. Mm. Yeah, it's so true. I read the book recently. It's called The Gift of Imperfection by Brene Brown. And there was a part in there where she was talking a bit about suffering. And she made the analogy, I think she was sitting on her porch deck one time, just looking out at some fairy lights. And she'd been sitting there, I'm pretty sure I might be butchering the story, but she'd been sitting there since dusk, but the lights had been on the whole time. But it was only when it got dark enough that, that she could actually see those fairy lights shining brightly mm. against the contrast of the darkness. And that, in essence, that's how joy works and how happiness works. We can only really see the contrast against some level of suffering. And I, I, that's that kind of is how I feel about my life. Like there's so many good things and they are – so many they are so strongly contrasted against the things that are not and in a lot of ways it's what gives my life so much meaning and my dad has this saying and he is someone that always cries in movies (laughs) and I love seeing that growing up but he says that feeling pain is how we know we're alive and that that's how we know that we love and I've thought about this a lot is that the reason that we feel pain if it's not physical is because of love. Like there's a contrast there. It's because someone you love died or a pet or because you know someone who is suffering. So actually that feeling is an indication of the deep love that you feel. And if you don't have that, like in, you're a psychopath most likely. So there's, there's, there's so much that it teaches you and there's so much good contrast in that even though it's hard. Yeah. I, I'm, I was so struck by your story, Nick, as well. It's like just, I mean, it's crazy as well. Like you were talking about the different levels of pain. I mean, and like you're, you're past the point of wanting to relate your suffering to somebody else's and is mm. it more, is it less? Cause mm. I feel like, Oh, I've got to prequel this and say your suffering's more than mine or whatever, mm. but sitting alone somewhere, and nobody sees it. Yeah. And you're having a breakdown. Nobody sees you coming home after work every single day crying in the shower, you know? Mm. Yeah. Other people don't see that. And in the day and age of Instagram, 
you see everything else that's really, really good. You see the vacations in Hawaii and the beautiful couples. While we're stuck in winter going like, you know that like month where you feel like winter's gone on just a little long and you're just like seeing all these people overseas. (laughs) July. And I've got watermelon. Yeah. Yeah. Like I I had have some of a friend on Instagram who's in Europe at the moment and just every photo is like swimming um, and there's like a, a beautiful picturesque town from Italy in the background Mm. and like summer and they're like eating gelato and just drinking wine and you're just like (laughs) oh my goodness and you feel yourself getting worked up and Mm -hmm. sucked into that place of jealousy and it's like it becomes this pit of that's what it's for Mm -hmm. it's it's for breeding Mm. that and building your own brand to sell what you yourself as being you've made it yeah, I had to unfollow like the thing that I feel like is most triggering to use that word on social media for me is couple goals content <laughs> where it's very able-bodied, beautiful, <laughs> typically no kids, people that are traveling and I'm and I just look at that and I'm like that is so different from my reality and that's what I ex- kind of expected it to be and it just I feel just start to feel so discontent with my own life. And I feel like this is really in that same vein of what we were talking about. It's the illusion. Yeah. Well, it's just this illusion that goodness or something being worthwhile, it has to fit like a a social media type mold. And you can have so much goodness in your life and so much that is wonderful that doesn't fit that. But if it's not picture perfect, then you can start to feel like, well, this that's not good enough. It's a contrast, right? Yeah. I kind of go through ebbs and flows posting on social media, but um, like sometimes after I've posted on there for a while and then I stop, I suddenly like just start seeing stories a little differently and you're going, okay, did you just need a little bit more encouragement today that you put that up or um, what are you going through and what you, what's not being shown or you, you, you know what I mean? Like you just start to you get of, cynical. You, <laughs> <laughs> are you saying I'm cynical? Um, you start to see through the game a little bit mm-hmm. um, and it's just, it just kind of is what it is. Like, and again, it's, I don't know, coming at life, maybe a little less attached, like we said earlier um, to things like, cause before I'd want to change it. Like, I feel like I relate to a bit of Enneagram number one and it feels like, oh, that's not right. It needs to change. And you try and control it and you get that rage building up, which is like what Twitter's built its whole (laughs) platform on, but you want to reach out and grab it and change it and hold it. And you just feel all the muscles in your body tensing up. Um, But it's like, I don't know. I just don't feel that urge so much anymore. Yeah, I think that's po- that's maturity. It's just impossible. Like uh, again, in that notes on a nervous planet, um, such a good book. But it, it, the Matt Haig talks about how there's just so many millions of books and media and everything in the world. We just can't keep up. It's impossible. We can't mm. ke- physically keep up with everything. But I've felt myself in the past wanting to be like, oh my goodness, I got to watch all these shows. I got to read all these books. I got to do all this stuff. And you just <gasps> feel this anxiety building in you like a tornado. Yeah. Um, 
but kind of just relaxing a bit. Like I've found for me, healthiness is just taking one thing at a time because my tendency mm. is to like, okay, I'm into reading now. I'll, I'll buy 15 books and um, oh, this funny story aside, but we're moving house and um, I was going through this stage of my life where I'd bought all these books on a certain topic and I was like, I think I read or got through maybe like two of these and got like a quarter of the way through maybe a couple of others and then there were so many that I just didn't even touch. I just found that so funny that I was like, throwing myself into it but never following through um so yeah just taking one thing at a time not holding on too hard mm. letting things go mm. yeah i was thinking i uh, watched i just watched a podcast with uh matt zuckerberg uh not matt zuckerberg <laughs> you're the hero of the story again <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the hero i was thinking of matt haig uh getting confused there um what's his name mark 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 zuckerberg and joe rogan and um, it was a really cool podcast. It made me actually go back on Facebook. It was so good. Oh. I, it, 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 cause you could see Mark's passion for Facebook and it's not what you think it is. Like he's just really excited that friends can connect. And that's, that's the AI version of Mark. It's yeah, a, yeah. <laughs> his actual version is um, like controlling him with a remote. No, it's yeah, from Stephen the cynic does not believe it. <laughs> you should watch it. It's fascinating. He's it's, like watching his bank account off screen, just ticking over the dollars. Well, no, he, <laughs> the whole thing Sorry. that he's trying to present is his goal in life is to use technology to to achieve the holy grail of being present with another person through technology. And he's like, you can't do that right now. Um, we've got forms of it through audio. We've got forms of it through visual. But so he's talking about, you know, making augmented reality. And he's like, Fa Facebook was the beginning of that. Um, Facebook was the beginning of that. And so, but it was interesting hearing him speak because he's so detached from the company and the daily runnings of it that when Joe was talking to him about how he lives his life, he's just like, oh, I just... He's like, I just kind of work on projects I want to work on. And Joe's like, that's amazing. And he's like, the great trap of life when you're successful is to keep trying to achieve and keep trying to make money. And you're free from that. And he's like, if people could just get free from that, like earlier on in the game. And I was like, that's, that's life. That's the, you've cracked it. What can we do now? that we can't, we can't see it because we're trying to climb this ladder of success, but you can do whatever you want now. Mm. And so I was like, all right, well, I want to run a business. So, you know, I'm, I've been doing that, but now after that podcast, I'm like, you know, I want to, I want to be famous. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to freaking do that. Because all my life it's like, oh, you're not allowed to be famous because you're a Christian and that's bringing glory to yourself. And I was like, no, nah, I want to, uh, help people through, you know, depression and things like that. So I'm going to write a book. I want to do something with that, but I don't have to do it tomorrow and I don't even have to do it. It's just something I'd like to do. Mm. And it's like how we can live life from a place of contentment that you're doing things because you feel like doing them. I, I mean, I, I agree in concept that it's a great idea, but on some level, I think like that's also a extremely privileged position because so many people and most of the world are just trying to survive 
and to even be able to get outside of survival mode and be like and, and even analyze am I doing what I want to do is there more I think so many people it's that hierarchy of needs I can't remember who whose hierarchy of needs like food water Maslow's. shelter yeah Maslow's hierarchy of needs and how many people are just trying to just trying to put food on the table like especially with inflation and house prices rising and I I mean we're having a very we're having a very different level of conversation than just physical needs but like it's it's definitely something that I think about and I I I definitely don't want to ever take that for granted that the fact that I can choose what I do on a daily basis and the fact that I can you know run a business and have that freedom is a privilege that most people will never experience. Yeah, but the trap there is thinking, because this is the whole point, is that it doesn't matter your, like, yes, we are privileged and that's okay. Yeah. It's okay to be privileged. But but the trap is thinking, oh, well, then only privileged people can enjoy life. And it's like, no, actually, usually it's the people who aren't privileged who are have the greatest opportunity to enjoy life. And it, it doesn't always work out because poverty can actually, it's its neutral. It doesn't help or hinder that. It's just another thing in the way. But when you don't have privilege and it's like, and, and we all have a degree of privilege, so we can all probably relate to not being privileged in some way. It's like that thing is a blessing in disguise. It's, it's not good, but yet it is a blessing because it hinders me from getting lost down this road instead of being present in the now. Mm. And like, I didn't, yeah, I don't know. Like I didn't have parents growing up together. I just had my mum or, you know, I'd see everybody else with families and I'd be like, I'm so disadvantaged. Mm. Now I look back and I'm like, man, so much good came out of that situation. Mm -hmm. That's where my faith came from because God became my father and fathered me. And I created a deep emotional connection with God because of that. So it's like, yeah, so I'm, I, I, I'm agreeing with you with the privilege. It is a very privileged thing to say, but it's almost like going, whatever your situation is, there's the opportunity to seize life. That mm. gift is given to human, to everyone. to everyone. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I, I think that everyone has opportunity to, to have more, to be more to go outside of that mold. Like I think that that like everyone has that has opportunities. But there's a saying that I I don't know if you've heard the saying that when you don't money is like oxygen. When you don't have any or when you when you have enough how's this You don't saying? think about it. You don't think about <laughs> it. It's something like when you don't have enough just getting some solves everything, but when you've got, when you've got enough, then it solves nothing. When you just need to breathe, oxygen is going to solve everything. But when you've got enough of it, you don't even think about it. It solves mm. no, it solves none of your problems. So true. Which is kind of interesting. And would that come back to being present and going? Because I, I that's a that's a really good point, but. Um, if you're present, you're like, no, actually it is everything and I do need it. And I'm just, uh, I'm just fascinated because I'm listening, thinking about 
again, what Nick said about um, the, the different levels of suffering and wanting to compare. And, and, and of course, we're privileged situation. Um, we don't know what it's like to not be able to put food on the table. We don't, we haven't experienced that and we can't come at it from that perspective. Um, but yeah, it's just like, like I've still been in places where we've struggled week to week to pay Mm -hmm. rent, to get all the bills done. And then something unexpected comes up and it's a real struggle to get through that. Mm -hmm. And it's constantly on your mind. Constantly on your mind. But I think of moments during that when I'm when I'm stressed and just can't stop thinking about, are we going to have enough this week? Um, is it all going to come together? And things like that and going, I can still be okay. Mm-hmm. And it's a real like drop back into the body and like come back to the moment and think about it's all okay right now. And that's all I have. And it's again, like taking the next breath of oxygen. Like you said, if you're not thinking about it, if you're not present, then you're just taking breaths and not, you know, it's, it's, mm. it's, it's not even on your mind, but when you come back and realize if I don't have the next breath, I'm dead. Yeah. I have everything I need. And that's so beautiful. This inhale and exhale is all we have right in front of us. And that's so biblical too. Yeah. And, and like, and just sometimes also when you feel overwhelmed and you're like, I just have no idea how to get through this part of my life. That's just so hard right now. Um, you just have to take that one step right in front of you. Mm. And mm. man, is it hard to do that sometimes or to just bring yourself back. Cause like, like I was alluding to before, I can think too many years in the future and then not be right here now mm-hmm. and yeah. not be able to go, okay, today I'm just going to put one foot in front of the other. And, and I said before about piano practice, and this is a really good example of you'll have this Chelsea with the gym stuff and running and like getting a mentor and all of that stuff is like, just coming back and doing the workout for today, Mm -hmm. just practicing my scales now for today. That's all I can do. And that is going to eventually get to the, the long-term goal, but Mm. that next breath. Mm. That's something Nick I think you're actually really good at doing that, Nick. And you've kind of taught me to be more present in the moment because you will find it all throughout a lot of hard times. You've continually been the first person to laugh at something like really, really silly or find like little jokes or little things that have meaning. And I, I, I don't think like that naturally. I'm like, well, if one thing's bad, it taints everything. But you are able to see and kind of hold those two in, in the same thought process that there's good and bad and that they can exist at the same time and you've taught me that because that seems to be how you see life thank you (laughs) (laughs) oh wise sage Uh, I could get the Instagram and hashtag couple goals (laughs) (laughs) this is so cool this is such a cool discussion because I think this is like um, you can't do life alone and it's mm. conversations like this that show you that it's so hard to do life without having conversations like this. 
Yeah. Mm. I'm, re- I'm really curious, like, to hear more of your wisdom anyway, Nick, with, well, like, <laughs> and also, I mean, just stuff like, because you said with the breakdown, I mean, again, I, I alluded with the, the story of, you know, crying in the shower and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, the stuff nobody sees. Yeah. Um, it it's it's not just a one and done like you can <laughs> will yourself forward and go okay what can i be thankful for and yeah. but like what about the days when that doesn't it's, work and all your struggle. strategies fail and yeah. like like what gets you putting your you know the next breath yeah what, what's if i could i sorry if i'm steering the question wrongly i'm just trying to jump on that what gives you hope <sighs> I honestly don't know. I think, like, honestly, it's it's just like... Okay. So with MS, particularly the MS that I have, there's a general rule of thumb for timescales from first diagnosis to disability being like you're in a wheelchair from there to being in a bed from being bedridden to death so I've got this in the back of my mind Mm. I don't tell Chelsea this because I don't want this to be in the back of her mind you've just told Chelsea this yeah (laughs) but I haven't given any numbers so it's all right um so I'm just I kind of feel like there's this possibility like I guess, like, I can see my days are numbered. And I guess that's part of growing older as well, as just going, like, heck, you know, the best that I could do, like I'm 31, the best that I could do is live to 90, possibly, maybe 100, without MS. And you go, what can I do with that time? And so, honestly, my my life mission is for my family. Like, I would say, Chelsea first, closely followed by my kids. That Those two things swap around probably on a daily basis, depending on how I feel. <laughs> um, what gives me hope, though? I honestly can't really say that I have a lot of hope. Like, I have hope, but it's not like this one thing that I'm just like, this is what it is. It's not a future thing. It's not a future thing. I think the hope is just the day-to-day being like, you know, there's going to be, the day's going to end, I'm going to go to bed and tomorrow there's going to be a sunrise. It's like, I guess there's hope in the inevitability that time is going to continue until it stops. And once it stops, who really, you know, I don't care at that point. And I guess at that point I'm just like, you know, my faith is that I'll see heaven and that's my faith. Like that's kind of that's kind of it. I don't. I feel like I am a total extra. Like honestly. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So that, but like that hope of tomorrow, the sunrise, that's enough. That's enough. It's kind of enough for me. The next laugh, the next smile, the next oh, joke. Oh, bro, I'm so it's, not it's, there. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is... That's is partly I your get, personality. That's partly my personality is I'm a total people pleaser. Like, I'm just like, I live for someone else, which is great for Chels, who's like, I'm it's the amazing. star of the show. <laughs> so I'm just like, just total. We feed off each other. But... Yeah, it's, it's, I get, I definitely get caught in the day of just going like, what's the point of all this? Because what am I doing here? Actually, for the most part, I'm just sitting around almost waiting for the next thing to happen. You know, I'm waiting for, you know, wake up, look after the, look after the girls, get them to school and daycare and then it's like, okay, we're just getting through. We got to get through, get to lunch, get through lunch, get to pick up time for the girls, get to dinner, you know, have a bit of enjoyment after dinner. The kids have gone to bed. It's Chelsea and I can interact and enjoy each other. And then it's bed. And it's like, sleep and then you rinse and repeat it's yeah i don't i don't like this i don't like (laughs) you're all staring at me listening to me or something that you've spoken too long something that you always say (laughs) is that you always say i'm a simple man I am a like simple that's man. That's like your your phrase is I'm a simple man. All and I all I want is to laugh. Yeah. And mm. see other people laugh. Like that's, oh, that's kind good. of that's kind of it. You don't have and that was like a really good turning point in our marriage as well when was when <laughs> I realized that you didn't have to have a thing that you were striving for that that's not what gave you meaning. So you you do seem to find like a lot of contentment more than most people that I would know in just the day, like the here and now, the laughs, the conversation, like you love that. Hmm. Whereas for me, a lot of the time I'll be like, oh, like this conversation's good, but I could be working. The record, by the way, of the longest podcast I've ever done. So Whoa. that's uh, that's a that's an you accolade ex- worth getting. Come on, you get extra people in. You're 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 winning here, Chelsea. You've <laughs> won the accolade. Yeah. Um, I was really struck by what that you said when you said I don't have hope, and I'll I'll, I'll say why because it's like the cynic or the depression. No, <laughs> it's because like we're talking about with the characters that aren't two dimensional. Because we're, we're looking all the time, I think, in Western culture for the happy ending. We're looking mm-hmm. for yeah. the the riding off into the sunset. Mm-hmm. And what I love captured in that moment was that it's it's not black and white like that. Mm-hmm. And that's what like we're talking about with stories, that's what disillusions us when we grow up is we think it was supposed to be black and white. Yeah. Why is it not it black and white? It's supposed to be good. And I was also um, struck by you saying, you you know, with the timeframes for MS and how 
you've got the clock basically that mm. you're thinking about in the back of your mind. And I think of that, Oh, there's a couple of movies, you know, with the timer above people's heads oh. and, oh. and you can see when they're going to die Great and things like movie. that. But I'm like, we all have that. Yeah. We just yeah. don't know it. And you're just sitting there on this gold mine of knowledge. Like, he, he, he. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I'm trying to be sensitive about this, obviously, yeah, yeah. Oh, but don't, it's, um, don't be, it's, I don't care. Yeah. Like, and you also said about how, oh, we're just waiting for the next thing to happen and we're waiting for you. Oh, sorry. You are waiting for, okay. What's, you know, we're going to have yeah. dinner and then we're going to go. I, I, I've thought that myself of like, okay, I'm eating dinner. And my brain is going to tell me what the next need is when I'm finished dinner. Okay, I'm finished dinner, so I don't need food anymore. Oh, I feel like something sweet. I'm going to go and eat, uh, you know what I mean? And then you need to go to the toilet now. And then you, you do that. And then, oh, I'm feeling tired. I'm going to go to bed. You do that. You wake up and it's rinse and repeat. Mm. And we're all kind of in that. But I don't know. Does it? Because I, I, I remember back to when I had my surgery and I was floating around the house just feeling like a useless um, sack of meat just yes. <laughs> um, going from one TV show to the next and just uh, having nothing to do. But I don't know. There's something in that. I'm not even sure what I'm trying to articulate here, but we're all just kind of flicking from need to need to need to need. And it's rinse and repeat every day. Mm. We're just some people are just lost in the stories that they've crafted for themselves. Yeah, like I was good. really struck by yeah. by that and how you said that, but it's like I'm I'm starting to click on to this too because I can find myself just always going okay, even when I'm satisfied with the thing that I thought was going to make me happy, just got this parcel from Amazon Prime or something <laughs> that comes and you're like. <gasps> That lasted 10 seconds. Yeah. And now what's next? And you're going to the yeah. next need and the next need and the next need. And you're living in this perpetual state of treadmill <laughs> nothingness. It's I, almost like this recognition that on some level, life is mundane and somewhat meaningless. You can look at it that way. But that also in that mundaneness and somewhat meaninglessness or fleetingness, there is so much meaning. Mm. And I think that's something that Nick does really well. Yeah, well, it's the remembering. And I think yeah. that's what I was getting at long-windedly was that you've kind of, maybe maybe you've got a leg up on us and you're just like, because you're in that place where you can see it. I don't know. Does that? I don't want to see it. Though. <laughs> <laughs> I remember being like, blissfully when unaware. Was, when I was younger, like you hear people with like these amazing testimony stories, like, mm. like they've come from really, really like tragic stuff and going like, oh man, that's amazing. I wish I had a story like that. And now I'm just like, no. Do you wish Take this the story on away us, from me? Thanks a What's lot. That? You wish this tragic story on <laughs> us, mate, and your dreams will come true. <laughs> <laughs> you manifested it. You know, um, oh, you know, I can't remember the name of it. But there's a story of a Greek god who was really bad, and uh, the his punishment was that every day he had to roll, roll a boulder stone up the hill in Hades or whatever. Yeah. And uh, here's, here's the 
here's the the test of enlightenment, so to speak. Do you see that story as being as punishment or as healing? Because the point of the story is that after a while, like his eternity is spent rolling this ball up and down the ho- uh, the hill, and it's like to the person who wants to just suck the juice out of life, you know, just keep on moving. They don't want to repeat. They just want to keep moving forward. It's it's a punishment. But to the person who understands the mundane routines, mm. oh, he was teaching him how to be present. And so the story isn't of a story of punishment. It's a story of after the, I don't know, thousandth time, he starts enjoying Mm. the boulder, the weight that he has to carry. And the picture was, I think, on Greek mythology is that we all have weights that weigh us down and we just wish we could roll these things off us. But they're the mentors that help us be present. And um, Mm. I'm certainly, uh, you know, not there. But at the same time, I think it is life is a dance between seeing it and then wanting to kill yourself <laughs> and then seeing it again. <laughs> it's just interesting because you say you're not there, but your awareness is always there. Yeah. Oh, like no, nah, I just listen to podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> like you never go away from it. You never lose it. The essence of you is always there. Yeah. It's not like, and that's the, that's the thing is like, I've always been told or learned from everywhere that you have to strive for it and you've got to get there. You've got to get to this mythical goal, but it's already there. It's not, you can't reach enlightenment. Yeah, because mm. you're already there. But we're not even yes, there right yeah. now. Like even now, like, because when you're there, you know it. I think it's an experiential thing. It's not like a, I've ideologically reached there. It's the experience of I've, I'm there, I'm present. Mm. And I'm not always present. I'm not even fully present now because I'm still thinking about the second sequel to Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> wrap it up so we can watch it. So I, one more little comment on this in that case then is that something I've found very helpful in contentment is that I've stopped putting as much pressure on myself to feel yeah, that's good. comfortable or feel good or even it's like, oh, I'm not present. And then you're stressing about being present. And then you're in this you're in this like feedback loop from hell, which is what Mark Manson talked about talks about. And instead being like, it's okay that I'm not fully present. It's okay that I don't like hanging out with my kids a lot of the time because it's boring. It's okay that I'm wanting to be at this goal and I'm not there yet and I feel uncomfortable or this situation is embarrassing or you know, all of the I feel anxious and actually being like those feelings are okay. They're at face value. I don't have to overanalyze them. I don't have to like get into this loop of feeling bad for feeling a certain way. That's given me so much freedom. Yeah, because enlightenment could then just be looked at as another treadmill to hop on. That's it. They say you've got enlightenment when you give up looking for it. It's like when you get off the treadmill, you've got it, you know. And that's the thing is, like you said, like being present can just be another thing that you another game to play, another thing you tack on and go, I'm not there, I need to work harder to get there. Yeah, and like recovering from perfectionism or stopping being so anxious, like they're – how many people are so anxious about their anxiousness? <laughs> yeah, bro. And what if instead we're like, okay, 
anxiousness is a part of the human condition. It's okay. Yeah. And then you leave it and you get on with your life. Yeah. That's I, freeing. I read this amazing thing about anxiety. It was in um, Hilary McBride's book, uh, The Wisdom of Your Body. And I can't describe it the way she did, but it was something to do with your it's like a response in your body that rises up to try and it's just communicating something or it's trying to to just tell you that you're in some sort of state that needs to be looked at or addressed. Um, and like any emotion, well, once that, that anxiety falls back down, you can kind of process the emotions underneath it. But I don't know. Again, I'm, I'm butchering this, but it really helped me with understanding things and emotions as well of like, you've got to process it and you've got to walk through it because you can so easily slap a coping mechanism on it when you've been feeling the waves of sadness every day for three months straight. And you're just like, I don't know what to do. Mm. You've just actually sitting with it and going, what is the sadness telling me about my experience right now? Making peace with it as well. Like that's something that we've come to kind of realize is like there's moments when we're really sad, like we're sad about what's happened to Nick and we'll be just crying about it and we'll be like, you know, we're not trying to make this better because it hurts right now and it's sad. But like that's okay, like that feeling, like we're not trying to put a Band-Aid on it Mm. because you can't. Yeah. You're just feeling it and you're feeling all those emotions but you – you stop trying to kind of shrink back from that uncomfortable, those uncomfortable moments. Yeah. Like sometimes sadness and anxiousness and stress and all these things, like they're not an indication that anything's broken. They're, they're a response to legitimate issues and pain points and things going on in our lives. And we're, if we're trying to always fix them instead of being like, you know what, this is all right. This is part of it. Like, I think that like, it's like I said, it's its own feedback loop from hell. So freeing to not have to. I love that earlier on in the podcast, you're like, how do you, you know, reach this place or whatever? And now you're just sitting here and we're all like, ah, like <laughs> just teaching us. I think you're more there than you probably realize. I've gotten more okay with the fact that I don't feel like I'm there. I think, but that's, that's how you know you're there. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's the irony. It's the freaking irony. We sh- if we ever do this again, we should call this the, uh, the butchers of philosophy. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Definitely um, not a film club. Yeah, got yeah, a special yeah. going on here. <laughs> wow. Come on. Spin it off. Like, isn't oh. that like the best if you're not just, that is, yeah, it's just an excuse to dive in, you know, the diving board to get you there. Yeah. Um, yeah, the irony yeah. of life, eh? It's the big yeah. cosmic joke. <laughs> big cosmic <laughs> joke. And you got to laugh. you got to have fun. Yeah. yeah. But I love I love what you said about just l- learning to sit in it and not rush to put a Band-Aid over it because I've done that so many times um, and the defenses come in and you just have a go-to thing to anesthetize yourself so that you, you can't feel it. You numb out and you're just like, I don't want to feel this. It's too hard. It's too much. Um but sitting in it, man, it it's hard, but I don't know. I don't know what your experience is of sitting in it for yourself, but I think it can teach us stuff. Mm. I think that's one of the powers of the kind of movies that we watch is that you can sit and experiences and experience someone else's pain and loss and your know, feelings of inadequacy and 
becoming that hero and all of these things that they go through and you get to put yourself in that p- position and see yourself in their journey but also feel those things but know that you're safe and that you're disconnected from it. I think that's one of the most powerful parts about movies and stories that they teach us that the all those emotions, all of those feelings within the human spectrum are okay and they normalize it and they give us hope that we can get through. Yeah. Yeah. It's like stones. You know, they just sink. <laughs> <laughs> but like boats float, right? Uh, Elvish physics. Yeah. yeah. 101. <laughs> I didn't go to school. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the perfect place to wrap it up. Oh, Unless good. you guys have anything so else to good. add. All right. <sighs> Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. That was definitely the record for the longest episode so far. But how good was it? It's so cool that media can just be an excuse for getting friends in a room together to talk about hard things. But also to have a laugh and practice being present in the moment. As Nick said, suffering is baked into the human condition. And so it's really important to be able to discuss it freely and openly. If you'd like to support the show, head over to our Instagram page and give it a like and a follow. And if this episode helped you, then consider sharing it with a friend. Alright, I'll see you all on the next one. Keep it fresh.